Welcome to the Memory Hole Show, where we talk about interesting ideas, promote freedom, and push back against authoritarianism. I'm your host, Brian. Welcome back, everyone. I hope everybody had a good Valentine's Day yesterday. Okay, so I'm happy to announce that this is my 52nd episode. I can't believe how fast this huge first-year milestone happened. But when I go back and look at past episodes, especially the first few, I can say that I've learned so much on how to write and produce these episodes. I hope you can see the difference. Now, not to toot my own horn, but one of the favorite changes that I made was the outro music. I wrote and recorded that in about four hours, and it was so much fun. I just love listening to the tone of my guitar on that track. So a big thanks to all of you for listening and subscribing. You made the first year worth it. So what's next? Well, my goal is to grow the subscribers to a thousand, which I need all of your help to do. It's a pretty big ask, but I think we can get there. Okay, so one of the things that I've been focused on over the past year was bringing up ideas that were a threat to freedom and, of course, good for authoritarians. But what I want to focus on in this year, I'll still bring up those other things too, but what I would really like to focus on is how can we fight back? I think that will be a tougher challenge, but it will also be more effective in preserving freedom. So I'd love to hear what you have to say, how you think we can fight back. Leave your comments in the suggestions box at memoryholeshow.com or hit me up on Twitter at memoryholeshow. And one last thing, I've started to release video shorts on YouTube and Rumble to try to make more awareness on these topics and to make the podcast easier to find. Now, because the channels are new, they're kind of hard to find still, but if you're on YouTube, just type the memory hole show without any spaces at all and if you're on rumble you can type the memory hole show as you normally would and then you'll see my channel okay that's it for the intro let's jump into this week's episode i came across an article by scott s powell called globalism can meet its waterloo and eight point plan go to memoryholeshow.com to check out the links to that article Now, it does a great job of summarizing the main tactics that are used by the controlling globalists like the WEF and the governments that are on board with these sinister traps. Now, for my new listeners, I'd like to go through the summary of what freedom-loving people like you and I are up against. Keep in mind, with each of these eight items, the core of the matter is that you don't have autonomy in society. All of your actions and behaviors are shaped by the government or NGOs. When it comes to your life decisions, your liberty, you are in a competition with a massive and powerful entity. That is fundamentally why these things are bad. So first up is the beloved digital ID. What the digital ID does is marry up multiple data points about you. It will connect things like your driver's license and health card, but also things like your purchases, global travel, local travel, and carbon footprint. Why would they do this? to create a social credit system. Generally speaking, politicians deal in the currency of power. When they see China's social credit system, they get envious. So they try to recreate their system here in the West. But you'll notice that in this system, they are on the top and we are at the bottom. They enforce this hierarchy by baking rewards and punishments into the cake. Rewards for doing what they want, punishments for doing what they don't want. You only have to look at the last few years to see how close they are to fully realizing this plan. One reason they haven't been able to pull off the digital ID system is because they're missing a valuable tool of manipulation, a central bank digital currency. 
This second item is a completely digital form of currency, similar in construct to crypto, but completely centralized. With this digital currency, they can control your money at any time. You can almost think of this digital money as not really being yours, actually. In the crypto sphere, there's a saying, not your keys, not your coins. With CBDCs, you won't own the keys and therefore you won't own the coins. The danger with the digital currency controlled by the government is that cash would be dead, so you wouldn't be able to transact off the grid, so to speak. The watchful eye of Sauron, I mean the government, would always be there, so privacy is out. The government knows how much money you have at all times and they can track every transaction you make. This is next level surveillance. And if you thought that the government prints too much money creating inflation, think about digital. Creating new coins can happen at the click of a button. No need to go through the hassles of actually printing the money itself. Things that hold value tend to be rare and hard to find, like gold and diamonds. But what do you think would happen to the value of gold and diamonds if they could be created out of thin air? Obviously their value would drop. But here's the biggest tool with digital currency. It's programmable. Not only could they turn your money on and off, on a whim, to steer you to their ends, but they could also implement other measures. Just think during an economic downturn, people tend to sit on some money as a backup plan, as a rainy day kind of fund. And what does the government want you to do? Spend money to revive the economy. But with programmable currency, they could force you to spend it or lose it. They can delete it at any time. Or they could program it so you can't spend it on what you want. Or they could force you to spend it at companies they prefer, as would be mandated by ESG, which I'll talk about later. And they could also prevent you from receiving money. The list of controls is only limited by their corrupt plans and imagination. So those are the two big habits controlling tools. When you don't have control of your money, what you really aren't in control of is your labor. Your labor is an extension of you and your life. So it's no surprise that if they don't believe you should be in control of your money, you should also not be in control of your body. The idea of bodily autonomy is that since your body is inherently yours and is needed to stay alive, you should decide what goes into your body without the threat of coercion. Let me repeat the last part, without the threat of coercion, as in voluntary. Over the last few years, we've seen governments creating consequences for not complying. By creating these consequences, you are pressured or outright forced to do something against your will which could be simple things like not being allowed into certain places, but it could also apply to critical things like employment. If that's okay as a policy, then we have to admit that the government owns and controls your body instead of you. If we don't own and control our bodies, then by extension, why would our labor be considered ours either? I would call this slavery. The next logical cog to this total dominance would be your children. Look, if you don't have bodily autonomy, why do you think you can raise your own children? Do you think they weren't also the property of the government? With critical race theory and the woke ideology that is being taught in our schools, they are overriding the values that most of us are trying to teach our kids. That is the parents' role, not the government's, and yet here we are. 
This brainwashing of our kids teaches them that everyone is either a victim or an oppressor. So if you're a combination of white, straight, male, or Christian, you get to play the oppressor in this sixth story. But if you aren't white or straight or a male or a Christian, then you get to be the victim. And a hero, I might add. As a victim, everyone else needs to bow at your feet. Since being a victim is something that is done to you, fixing those problems is someone else's job. I can't imagine how this could go wrong. But in case you're wondering, this lovely movement has wiped out the innocence in childhood by introducing them to these wonderful ideas. Drag Queen Story Hour. Although I'm not entirely sure how widespread this is, I've seen some people talk about it on Twitter, one instance is too many. Grown men dressed as women should not be twerking for grade school children. Racism. Despite having a big anti-racism push, being racist against white people is okay. That's because the woke have changed the definition of racism to make sure that everyone that isn't white is a victim and therefore can be a victim of racism. White people, however, are considered oppressors and therefore only capable of racism. And because they're oppressors, they can't possibly be the target of racism. This is how you turn your brain into a pretzel. And lastly, victim hero worship. To paraphrase Jordan Peterson, and I'll butcher this to death, being a victim in this woke model means that you are a hero. All for doing absolutely nothing. You just have to accept that you're a victim and voila, you are a hero. Apparently, responsibility isn't a big thing in this woke religion. I can't imagine how all the heroes will turn out once reality catches up with them and they realize they were deceived. So those were the more overt ways that you and your kids are being controlled. Next up we have ESG. Environmental Social Governance. This is a system of cronyism that limits money from flowing to companies that don't conform to ESG. It's a way to control the free market and by extension you since pretty much everyone uses that system. Let's look at the environmental part. People spend money on stuff. Over time, that money flows to the companies that satisfy the consumer. Good products are generally rewarded and bad products tend to fizzle out. When I say this, I'm implying that this is done without third-party interference. This consumer spending is like having many little elections. The companies that get the money did the best job of providing their consumers with what they wanted. But some powerful people don't like this model and are implementing ESG to force you to spend your money where they want. Like government coercion, this is bad. Let's say you're a company that needs a business loan but doesn't live and breathe climate change like Greta Thunberg. ESG would have it that you don't qualify for that loan. Since woke ESG groups like BlackRock control so much of the money supply, they can enforce their crony values onto everyone. Just think, if you're a company in the fossil fuel industry, that cuts you off from a lot of investment money. Your stocks won't be held in retirement funds that implement ESG policies. Without the investments in fossil fuels, energy prices will go up. And guess what? Energy is the foundation of modernity. Two quick things about energy prices. People in poverty tend to be bad stewards of the environment because their primary focus is survival. If they can't afford heating with natural gas, they'll use wood or dung, which are far worse for the environment. 
But how dare they try to survive through these artificially high energy prices brought on by ESG? The other thing that I find is something that's quite ironic. This climate change narrative is a big thing on the left, but also the left claims to stand for the little guy. Well, you have a problem because you can't have both of these ideals at the same time, at least not in reality. And that's because without fossil fuels, energy costs go up. Guess who suffers the most with high energy prices? The poor. This isn't about the poor. This is about power and control. Next up is the social part of ESG. If your company doesn't promote CRT, woke supremacy, or social justice, you can count yourself out. No money for you. This will negatively impact your company's social credit score, and without that, once again, your funding options become very limited. And lastly, the governance part of ESG. Is the company leadership diverse enough? Does your company hire based on immutable characteristics? If yes, your ESG score will go up. Screw merit and competence, that's so old-fashioned. They should really change their application forms to reflect this. On it, they should just have questions like, what genitals do you have? What is the melanin content of your skin? Politically speaking, do you lean woke? A social credit score is bad for the individual and ESG as a business social credit score is just as bad, if not worse, for a business. Another one of the trends we've seen over the last while is that for whatever reason, it appears that as things get too big, they become bad for the population. The bigger the government gets, the less people can do, the worse it gets for them. Power from those big institutions drown out the citizen. We saw with the Twitter files dump that big tech working as an extension of big government can easily deny people of the full picture of information. This full picture is what most adults need to make their conclusions. By limiting that information, they can manipulate and shape people's beliefs. This can lead to heavily influencing the outcome of an election, let's say. And then you combine that with Big Pharma. Big Pharma is a primary source of funding for the CDC, for example, and can implement safety protections for themselves at the expense of the citizen. The emergency use authorization was just this kind of protection. They had carte blanche for the vaccine and its side effects. How could they have all the upside of making profit with no responsibility for malpractice? That is textbook regulatory capture. The government is protecting big pharma instead of the citizens they were voted in to protect. This is very, very wrong. The last two items of the eight points are related to the affairs of a country. The first is open borders. People that cross the border illegally and use up the government services put an unfair strain on the people that pay into those systems and are here legally. With so many government benefits, people that come in through illegal channels are not likely to follow the rules. If they cheated to get in, why would they follow the rules once they're here? And although some taxes will be paid by people that come here illegally, generally it won't be the same amount as proper citizens, which means they mooch the system. The other side of this is what it does to the people that followed the rules or are thinking about following the rules to get in. Why bother jumping through the hoops? Cheating the system encourages more cheating. I think there needs to be a massive reform to the immigration process so that the appeal for cheating is lowered 
but right now, cheating is the path of least resistance. Now, the last item on this eight-point list is voting reform. People of both sides of the aisle believe the electoral process is rigged, but only when they lose. When Trump won in 2016, it was Russian collusion, and when Biden won in 2020, it was ballot harvesting and voting machine manipulation. A system has to be created with input from both sides that will make both sides comfortable that the elections aren't being rigged. There has to be a better way with some form of validation to ensure that each eligible person that casts a vote is who they say they are. This would include stopping the practice of sending ballots to dead people since their votes shouldn't count. There would also need to be a better way to ensure that ballots aren't being compromised. Limiting mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting would be a good start. It seems too easy to manipulate to me at least until they have a foolproof way to prevent vote manipulation. But something needs to be done so that both sides can be comfortable again that the election is valid. So that was the list of what we're up against. It's pretty big and bad, isn't it? Which items do you think are the worst? For me, I think digital ID and CBDCs are the worst. The woke thing is bad too, but at least I've been able to counter that indoctrination with my kids. Now, next week, I'll be looking into one person's attempt to start a movement to push back against this globalist control system. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Show notes are at memoryholeshow.com. You can also find me on Twitter at memoryholeshow. And as I mentioned in the intro, I'm also putting out video shorts on YouTube and Rumble. So be sure to check them out as well. Let me know what you think of them. Am I on the right track? Check them out on YouTube by typing The Memory Hole Show without any spaces or on Rumble, just type The Memory Hole Show as you normally would and you should be able to find the videos there. When I get enough followers though, I should be able to have better URLs. Until next week, speak up or you'll get memory hold. All content from the MemoryHoleShow.com and the Memory Hole Show podcast is for the purpose of entertainment and presented solely as opinion.